Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. This episode is brought to you by the Confident Woman Collective. If you've ever felt alone in life while you're trying to up-level as a person and in your business, then it's definitely going to be worth it to join the Confident Woman Collective. Here, you won't find yourself alone. Instead, you'll find yourself surrounded by women that you can learn with, grow with, and thrive with in all areas of your life. All right, ladies, today we have a very special guest joining us from, um, you know, a whole other part of the world. We have um, Simone Millicis with us. She's a self-made millionaire, renowned speaker, and the founder of Joy of Business. She's a best-selling author and has written uh, Joy of Business and Getting Out of Debt Joyfully, which has been translated into multiple languages, Relationship, Are You Sure You Want One, a book that was co-authored with Brendan Watt. Also, Simone, you know, just constantly sees the joy of possibility and future and recognizes the prospect um, of possibility in every choice. She's a dynamic and savvy investor. Simone is a co-owner of the Castle. I probably can't say that right. You'll have to correct me later. Castle of Bourgeon in Italy. You know, I'm just a dumb American. That's how I would pronounce that. Um, the Antique and Possibilities in Queensland, Australia, and El Lugar in the Eco Retreat in Costa Rica. Also hosts a weekly podcast, the Choice Change in Action Podcast. So I am like out of breath. <laughs> so, 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 so much. Like, I know you have a lot of amazing guests and a lot of ladies with a lot of accolades, but that's, um, that's, I think the most I've seen so far. So I think we're going to have a lot of, a lot of questions, a lot of good nuggets from you today. So thanks for taking time to hang out with us today. You are so welcome. Thank you for asking me. Yes. yes. And, and you're calling in from Australia. That's the other part of the world. Yeah. So we love the accent. So thank you again for, <laughs> for being our guest and, you know, kind of diving in and we're going to talk about all those things. That's really cool. So um, yeah. if you want to correct Aaron on how to pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't think she's got it correct. <laughs> no, cast, it's um, Castle Bogoni. Oh, oh, yeah, that was cl- not close at all. <laughs> you, got, you got the castle part. <laughs> so that's what's yeah, fun exactly. is because I feel like a lot of people that listen to us are like small business owners or getting into business or all that kind of stuff. So I feel like hearing someone that, yes, you live in Australia, but you have all these businesses like throughout the world. Right. So I think a lot of that can be overwhelming for maybe a brand new business person. Right. So I think it's going to be good because I want to ask you a lot of stuff that's geared for like the beginning of where you started, but then also a more seasoned vet as to how to scale larger. But what did, what did you start with? I guess, like, was it authoring books that started you and then you started speaking and then getting into business or was it reverse? You were business and then I'm going to start writing books or how, how did you get started? I guess in this journey. You know, yeah, I started in business at first. Like when I was at high school, I mean, the two things I wanted to do, I always spoke about at high school was owning my own business. And everyone used to say to me, well, what what sort of business? And I was like, I don't really have a point of view. Like, I don't care what sort of business it is. I just want to own a business because I liked the whole concept of business. I just, to me, it felt like this massive playground that you could create whatever you wanted. You could, you know, it was just like, wow, that just seemed so exciting. And the second thing I really wanted to do was travel the world. So when I was at high school and everyone was, you know, I didn't, like I actually didn't go to university or college. I left. I was 18 and I left and I went overseas and I went overseas for three years 
And I did so many different things, like worked in different industries all over the world. Like whenever I needed money, basically, I'm like, I don't have any money. Let's work, you know. And I did some really random jobs. And then I was living in London for some time. And the way I actually started was I started to look at the world and what I saw, I went, ah, there's got to be something different that like the way everyone was choosing like this trauma and drama and it would, it never felt like people were being really present with themselves and the world. And I actually lived in this house in London. It was three bedrooms with 21 people and one bathroom. And to this day, I still don't remember actually waiting for the bathroom, but, you know, (laughs) I was young and it was so cheap. And to get out on my own and have some, you know, space on my own, I used to get on one of the big red buses and just go right across London. And that's, I used to write a lot. And I wrote this whole piece on being vulnerable. And I remember going from one end of London to the other And you go through all these different, you know, um, districts, like it was the Jewish, um, Pakistan, you know, Indian, it's like um, the uh, black neighborhood, the, you know, white, all this. And I looked out the window and I was like, no one seems happy. Like it doesn't matter what the color of their skin is or how much money they have in their bank account. No one seemed happy. So I came up with this whole, you know, me sitting on this big red bus going, how can I make the world happy? How can I wake people up and have... a a different influence on them so that they can see that there's something else. So I actually wrote up this whole business idea of, and I literally, I started doing uh, t-shirts. It's called Good Vibes for You. And I started making these t-shirts with sayings on them that I got from everyone that I met around the world. Like just, I'd speak to random people and I'd be inspired by them. And then I'd try and cut it down or do whatever. And I would put it on a t-shirt, hopefully to wake people up. And then I did magnets and stickers and, you know, the business increased and, you know, blah, 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 and so many different things within that. So that was, uh, I think the main aim for me was to be in business because, like I said, it was so malleable to me. And how do I wake people up and create something different here on the planet? So that were the two driving forces that I had. Nice. It's crazy to, like, read all of these accolades that you have and everything that you've accomplished. And it's like, Started with t-shirts. Yeah, like- yeah I did. It, it started yeah. with t-shirts and started. So here's, here's a, a little bit of a slight backstory yeah. is uh, I, was in, I was in London and I was in a famous area called Camden and I saw a famous musician and out, it was at, out of another bus window and I saw yeah. a famous musician and she had this t-shirt on and it was really derogatory. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at her going, you have the chance to put something on your chest and wear something that is inspirational, not not making people sort of go down and have this heaviness. And I went, that's what I'd like to change. I'd like to have, like, to be that influence. So so it was actually watching her, I went, oh, what if I did T-shirts? Because I noticed how I read T-shirts. And I guess at that time too, it was a very trendy thing to have, you know, words on T-shirts and, yeah. little raglan sleeve look and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think um, the fact that you moved away from a young age, right, and started, like, living with all these people and experiencing and getting out different, like, how important would you say that is to – because I think some people, like, grow up, they stay in the same small town, all that kind of stuff, so they don't recognize their own little bubble that they're in, and so they might not realize that they can have an impact on the world or – that you know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I, I, grew, up how I grew up in a small town. It was kind of negative, but I didn't know it was negative till I got out of it. <laughs> then I was like, right. oh. yeah. Look, I, I mean, I think you can you can say yes, it is important, and I think you can also 
you know, you can discover a lot of things without having to travel the world. I mean, unfortunately, my niece just turned 18 and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you just don't have the freedom that I have anymore, um, you know, that I had. But to me, I was, I had this like desperate requirement in my world to see everything. Now, I remember the first place I actually went to was Hawaii and you're like, you know, Hawaii, yay, this is Mm -hmm. all lovely. And then I got to Los Angeles and we stayed at Venice Beach and there was a gun shooting down the road. And, there was a, and I was just like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> Right. You know, this, is this safe? Like, you know, I was 18 years of age. And then I ended up actually staying on Miami University campus for a month with uh, we had a, a friend there and we stayed on campus with these four guys. Like they were so lovely, so awesome and so different and really opened our eyes up to a lot of different things as well. So I do think that. There is, like, I like, I like, I wanted to see the world, but what I wanted to do was meet people around the world and see how they live. And I think that was very um, inspirational to my growth and knowing yeah. that, yeah, you don't. I mean, I grew up in a place in Sydney that is, you know, it's called the Sutherland Shire, and everyone's white and everyone, you know, is doing pretty okay. And that's what you grow up with. And right. it's like when you go around the world and you go, well, hang on a second, that's actually not what that's not what is occurring, then I think it does open your eyes up. And uh, and for me, I don't know if I, I required it, but it made me more of who I am today, that's for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I think, you know, traveling the world and just experience that, uh, you know, they say like experience is the best teacher. So when you get out of your, you know, what you know, you get to experience culture, diversity, uh, you know, you get to see things from a whole new lens, uh, compassion, empathy, they start, you know, strengthening those characteristics and like, instilling new values and beliefs in you. And I think that's such an important uh, aspect. You know, I grew up in a very small town as well. I mean, I didn't really didn't experience much until we moved to the city. And then um, I started working uh, you know, remotely and having, a, you know, what they call like laptop life or whatever, basically wherever there's Wi-Fi, I'm able to work. So it allowed me to open my eyes and travel the world. I've been to like, you know, West, East, everywhere. I mean, so many different countries, North or no, actually I didn't, yeah, North Canada. And uh, then South would be like Argentina. And, you know, so it kind of hit from all different spectrums of the world. And it really opened my eyes to see how the other half lives, like, right. So there's you and then the other half, like what, you know, makes the whole of the human because it's from your experience versus the whole rest of the world. But I love that you share that because it is so true. And now we're in a whole different I guess, generation or era where, like you said, the freedom to do that isn't on the table anymore. So it's like, I, 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 I feel kind of sad for those who have, who can't experience that. And, you know, hopefully our world is able to open up more again, eventually, maybe, and we can start experiencing life again. So uh, that's awesome. I, I love that because I think such a, you know, a lot of my inspiration has come from travel as well. So just being in a environment, because a lot of times, like it, you know, one thing that kind of stood out for me when I was in Paris, uh, several years back and I had, I didn't understand the language other than the basics, you know, of, of travel, but it was, um, you know, just listening to the culture and the language and you didn't even know what was happening, but yet you were just in the presence of being. And it was so awe-inspiring because it's like you have no idea they could be arguing or saying some really mean stuff, and you're just over there smiling because it's like you you just process from the view and the lens of what you see the world as. 
Well, it, it's French. It's very sexy. They can pretty much oh, say I, anything. I, oh, I know. Like, Please I know. keep talking. <laughs> they were just like saying all this melodic tones, and especially yeah. even in Italy, Italy, you know, being a melodic uh, uh, dialect and tonal uh, language as well. But it's a beautiful, beautiful world out there, and I encourage everybody to go experience. So. I love your travel. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do some more travel stories here. Yeah, especially that yeah. and everything. Well, I mean, I've been. I mean, I, I. The, okay, so the business I created. What I ended up doing was I came home after traveling for so long and everyone sort of did that thing of like patting me on the back saying, well, now you've got that out of your system. You can settle down and da, da, da. And I was like, what? And I was like, no, this is just the beginning. Like I've only just started seeing the world, even though right. I spent three years overseas, which to most people that was a lot. And, you know, it was extensive and whatever. And and I came home and I actually had to move in with my parents because I had no money. And I went, oh, I don't want to do this. This is not this is not fun. So yeah. I, I made enough money and I moved out. And then I looked at my life and I went, okay, well, what is it that you'd like to create? So I really liked the idea of business still. So I started to implement this business idea that I came up in, with in London. But I went, I'd like to travel too. Like, so how do I incorporate business and travel? So I, I started doing, uh, I mean, there's lots of little things in between, of course. But I started creating this business where I traveled to India and Nepal and Thailand. And I worked with Tibetan refugee women as well. And I got a lot of the stock that I had made up from working with the Tibetan refugee women and the Nepalese um, farming women, et cetera, and then going up northern India and doing all of that. So I would travel at least twice a year to all of these places uh, to, you know, to create the designs that I was making. So I sort of incorporated the travel and the business and when, you know, that was over, et cetera. I mean, now it's like for the last 21 years, I've been working with Access Consciousness, which is the three books that I've written have all the tools of Access Consciousness in them. And until two years ago, a couple of years ago, I was traveling like 10 months of the year as well. So can I say a very different way I've been traveling in the last few years now. It's like, um, I mean, not in the last two years. I mean, before that, like before yeah. I'd be, oh my God, traveling economy and scraping by to get a ticket in economy and then staying in the cheapest, you know, one of the cheapest hotels I could find. And, you know, yeah. of course I've become, you know, more successful. And it's interesting doing something like going to Paris when you have no money and then you're walking around looking at the people having their coffee on the sidewalk going, oh, wish I could do that. And then when you go back to a place and you actually have money, that's really yeah. nice too because you're like, hey, okay, I can do this. And it's that you enjoy it in a really different way. Right. So um, you, so what are your, so your three books, so you wrote your three books afterwards. You said Access Consciousness? Is Access Consciousness, you, yeah. Be, okay. Yeah. And then your books. And obviously in your book titles, obviously we see the word joy used quite a bit, which makes sense since that's what you wanted to create through the world with your t-shirts and everything so tell us so so you're well you have three books but hold on I just lost my page here but the two books you have what sparked that I guess kind of the same concept where you're like okay like you can be in business and still have it be joyful (laughs) still yeah look I used to do joy business uh well I mean to me I thought that's how everyone functioned I really did I was just like doesn't everyone have fun doing what they're doing (laughs) and it was a friend of mine who's also the founder of access consciousness and he went Simone no and I was like but it's business like people do business for the joy of it he looked at me and he was like no they don't and I went (laughs) why not and he was like they they don't they do it to get by they do it to pay the bills and 
So to me, it was a whole like concept change. Like I, I really went, God, why are people doing something if they don't like doing it? Like to me that it just, like I said, didn't make sense. And he said to me, you should start doing classes. So I started doing classes and talking about this using the access tools. And then I was like on stage doing these classes and going, I think I'm a little bored with this. Like I'd rather actually be creating business than just talking about it. Right. And then I noticed people came up and were just so grateful. And I went, oh, hang on. This is sort of matching the energy of what I'd like to have out there in the world. So then I, you know, of course, started putting it into a book. And I mean, that book is translated into 16 languages now and is sold so many copies all around the world. It's, wow. it's really cool. And then the second book I wrote was Getting Out of Debt Joyfully. Now, yes, you guys are right. It's like, you know, life just doesn't turn out to be all like, you know, yay, all roses and, and unicorns and rainbows all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like there's there's some stuff that goes on, you know, that you've got to, you know, jump over. And my my one of my biggest things that I, I sort of talk to people about too is, you know, you might stumble and fall. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But what are you going to do next? Like you're right. going to cry about it tomorrow and have this energy of not desiring to be everything that you can be, or you're going to dust your knees off and say, okay, what next? And for me, getting out of debt joyfully, I created myself to be a huge financial mess, um, quite over a few years, I guess. And I realized at one point that I was 187,000 Australian dollars in debt. I had nothing to show for it. And I sat there and went, oh, God, you know, I have to do something about this. I, I think I kept expecting somebody else to walk in and go, don't worry about it. We've got this. We're going to sort it all out for you. And that didn't happen. So I knew I had to sort it out myself. So the book, Getting Out of Debt Joyfully, has all the tools that I use, the stories. Hopefully, there's some funny and vulnerable stories in there of changing my financial situation and like the insane things that you look at. For example, one of the things I realized is when I finally came out of debt, I will never forget this moment of sitting in my office. I was living in Brisbane, Australia. It was at nighttime. I'm looking out, you know, over the city lights and I realized I had money. And I sat there and I went, this is it? And I was like, this is what it feels like to actually have money. And I was like, that's a little boring, you know, (laughs) no. And then within two weeks, I found myself back in debt. So I asked myself, what do you love about creating debt? And I realized I knew that energy. It was really comfortable. I knew it. It was familiar. And I had no idea what it was like to actually have money. So I made that demand of myself at that moment and said, okay, what would it take for you to actually have money and discover and explore that? So that's what I have been doing ever since with like financially. And I've even noticed like in the last six months, there was this complacency that I got to because I have created a lot of wealth and I've created a lot of investments and, you know, I've done really well. And then I was also complacent and I realized, well, it's not like I was like, oh, I wish I had this. I didn't have that wish list anymore. And yet if I'm making more money, then to me, the world is changing more because of what I do of facilitating these classes. So I was like, okay, what if I stepped it up again and made myself even more uncomfortable? So that's where I'm at at the moment and sort of starting to look at, well, what else is possible? Yeah. yeah, I like I that, that because I think that's true. A lot of people do like that energy of being in debt or like they don't realize it, but that's just what you are accustomed to or what you're required to, or, you know what I mean? Like things can get crazy. The more money you make, I remember like learning about taxes as a business owner. And I was like the first like big, like year I had, I was like, I owe what in debt, you know, like, so it can be like, (laughs) it can be like, 
over, you know what I mean? Then it's like, oh, maybe yeah, I don't I do. want to make money because it's really stressful figuring out how to manage money and I'm not good at managing money. So I better not make any more or whatever. So I like that. I like that you bring that up because that's true because we all, whether we like well, to admit if it you or look not. At the, like the next time people are hanging out together, whether it's family or friends, and if someone starts talking about money, have it listen. Someone will start talking about like, oh, they've got the, you know, the mortgage, the kids' school fees or whatever it is that's yeah. coming up. Then somebody else starts talking about money as well in that same like way, that same energy, trying to match it. It's almost like they're in competition mm. for who's got the most problems. And I always yeah. say, what if you were the one that went, you know what? I'm good. I don't care if you've got ten dollars in the bank account or ten million. You're just like, I'm good. I'm doing great. I'm having fun. And people, it makes other people so uncomfortable <laughs> that you're okay with money. So yeah. it's like play that game and, and create your own reality rather than duplicating other people's realities. Right. Because you find yourself repeating the same thought processes again. So if you grew up and that's like your, your comfort zone, right? That's all you know. So to think and feel differently is like unknown. You're like, but if I haven't experienced it, I don't have words or, you know, something to express it. So yeah, I I see it on both sides. It totally makes sense. Like you said, it's the energy exchange because if you are so focused on the lack of, therefore you'll create more lack of opportunities and you know they're just going to repeat itself versus shifting yeah. it and saying well i might be a hundred whatever you said a hundred some thousand dollars in debt but you could start counting like every day i got ten dollars and be grateful for that ten dollars and that ten dollars turns into 20 and starts compounding and you start realizing you actually do have money you're just focused yeah. on the debt part of it not the income like the money coming in yeah it's it's a. Uh, such a powerful thing when we're when we could shift that, and uh, obviously you, you know you're a true testament of it. You've written a book, and you're living the lifestyle of you know applying what you learned, and now helping other people do the same. So how did how did the uh, the the castle come about? And the other in Costa Rica, I think it, <laughs> you had mentioned it too. I, I mean, I just love these stories. Just keep yeah. pouring them out. <laughs> Um, Okay, so the castle, um, a guy that I work with had said randomly in this conversation, you know, I'd love to own a castle. He's actually from America and he'd love to own a castle. And we were in Europe doing classes because we used to travel so much doing these seminars. And someone pinged us and said, hey, there's this castle in, in Italy that's for sale. So we went down and checked it out and it hadn't been lived in for over 40 years. It was so run down. Like you walked through it and you were like, is the floor going to collapse? You know, you weren't yeah. really sure how this was going to be. And it's in this small town called uh, Casabogoni is the town. Uh, it's probably like an hour and a half from Milan. And we looked at it and we went, yes, let's do it. So there's about eight of us and we, I mean, we started, I mean, how do you negotiate a price on a castle that's run down? <laughs> you know, it's sort of like that That was even fun. And I like actually exploring all these different business aspects because, you know, when I said right at the beginning that to me owning a business was like a playground, I really think that like even now it's like I've been in business for quite some time and I don't look at it as though I have an answer or this is the result that I'm looking for. To me, it's something that you always get to discover. So a castle in Italy. Okay. I don't have, there's not a standard response with that, or there's not this, you know, manual that you go, this is what's next, you know? So we ended up putting an offer in, et cetera. It took, it took some time to get there and we got it. And then we also had to deal with the local village. Like, you know, people were like, who are these? You know, there was a lot of them, a few of the Americans passed, who are these Americans coming in? Da da da, you know, this whole thing. And I know, well, that's, I mean, that's the, 
the <laughs> mentality of that coming in and then they're going to destroy our village. So we really had to navigate that as well. And we had, when, when the castle was up and running, we had this press conference at a local pizza place in the village and we invited everyone to come along and, you know, drinks pizza on us sort of thing and mingle with them. And what has occurred has been such a beautiful energy and place because, I mean, there was this old woman, she was like, well, she was 92 and she came up and she said, she was so grateful when she was really young, she used to walk up to the castle and deliver milk from the, her family's cows to the castle, you know, and now that she could come up there and she could have, you know, an espresso coffee and, and be in the castle and see the change. So because it was so different and most people ask for change, but when the change comes, they're like, whoa, hang on a second, I need to receive this in smaller doses. So now the village is like super grateful that we're there and the interaction and engagement we have with them is amazing. I'm actually off there in April, which I'm very excited about because I haven't been there for two years. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so Casa Borgoni, it's, um, it's a boutique hotel now. It's got 14 rooms, but it's got a massive ballroom. So we have, uh, we, I'm going to have a couple of seminars there as well. So, mm-hmm. and since we've been there, because we have such a huge amount of people who come there, and they can't all stay at the castle, obviously. So a lot of people have started Airbnb. So it's actually engaged with the village in a really different yeah. way too, that they can increase their income and their revenue and the restaurants and everything. So it's been wild to just watch the whole thing. And it's absolutely stunning. Yeah. You had me at Italy. I mean, yeah. just everything. I know. Like, <laughs> that's my motherland. I love it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Me too. Do you speak Italian? Not, not as much as, I mean, when I'm there, I, I can, I pick it up, but I mean, it's one of those, if you don't use it, you lose it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Italian. So, uh, but live in the States. I'm born. Oh, I've started yeah. learning Italian at the moment and yeah, it's interesting learning another language. Yes. It's like being Australian, you know, I mean, you guys actually have a lot of Spanish. I've noticed, like I lived in California for a while and then yeah. spent a lot of time in Texas. So Spanish is very, you know, um, obvious there sort of uh, but in Australia it's just not so learning another language I'm like oh my god the grammar and everything is really interesting <laughs> oh again, yeah yeah definitely been a couple of years I'm, since I got to practice that but hopefully we'll get there sometime soon and, and I would love to go well, you should to come to Casa yeah yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. always we always go to uh, uh in Tuscany so we'll stay in the little town called Cortona uh-huh. It's a beautiful, beautiful, quaint little. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. It's almost, like amazing. tucked away little towns and not touristy, and you just feel like you're you're there and you feel like your family. And that's why, it's like, I mean, it is my second home, but it's not my second home. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's beautiful <laughs> and there. The food and the wine and the people, and it's all mm-hmm. just yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, so what's next? I mean, what's coming up for you? Uh, you know, uh, you've got all these things going on. Is there another project or what What are you working on well you mentioned the um the property in costa rica oh, yes. as well yeah yeah um, yeah El, El Ugar, and skip that, that is, rachel um, <laughs> yeah. okay that's that's um that's currently being built at the moment uh i am actually going to go stay there next month got a few of the the houses the casas there so uh that is god that's that's been a, a long time in the progress as well well I mean in the scheme of things I guess it's been a long time but it's a huge massive property that we have that the front part of it we're building into somewhere that because we used to go to um as a company access we'd go to Costa Rica a couple of times a year and have these you know conferences with 
you know, up to 200 people. So we went, well, what if we actually purchase somewhere there? And we have a horse business breeding um, Costa Resenses there as well. So I have a couple of horses there, which I'm excited to see. So so that's, it's probably going to be finished in about a year, but I'll go there and and check it out and do some business stuff there as well and, and, and have that be part of my next trip so yeah so I'm off overseas uh in March early March so and off to Mexico actually the US as well Costa Rica and Europe so we've been a little trapped here in Australia they wouldn't let us out for quite some time so yeah but now you're able to go and now they're setting you free well yeah I guess I'm able <laughs> to go I don't know about being set free God, it's yeah. Yeah. weird it's world at the moment yeah yeah and I think a lot of people in Australia have PTSD they're sort of like so used to being at home and they've created that and like you know the gates are open you're allowed out now you know you so yeah yeah well especially interstate we were very closed off interstate like the state I live in didn't let anyone in or out for like 15 months or something so wow. uh, not like in the US you could travel pretty freely within the state I mean they all had their own regulations but yeah right. so in Australia it, it hasn't been like that so everyone's sort of like I just went over the border on the weekend and I was like driving over the border <laughs> so, right you're like am I supposed to do this yeah yeah we have to yeah. like relearn to travel hmm. and yeah. do all that fun stuff I know oh, I'm, dying. The- I'm dying to go somewhere well, cool. And then, um, all right. So then you Costa Rica, your castle, all that kind of stuff, which I don't think we've had a guest that has a castle before. This <laughs> no, this first. is definitely our first. Yeah. Your first castle owner. And then obviously you, you do. So obviously it's, it's just, it sounds like throughout time, right. It's just like a slow build foundation, right. We're talking shirts, we're talking, teaching classes, learning all this stuff, writing books. Right. So it just, it sounds like you're just the definition of, non-complacent just keep growing and building on top of what you have right and continue to grow right I'm sure there's been bumps along the way that you you know go down a few back down a few blocks but then learning and creating how to just keep climbing and not be I don't want to say not be satisfied because I feel like you're someone who's super grateful for what you have so you are satisfied but you're not complacent I guess yeah, I, I like what I do and I love working yeah. and I love I love creating um, something different all the time. So and I guess my job is really diversified. So so to me, yeah, you're all, I mean, I don't wake up and sort of go, oh, I wish I had a day off. I wake up and I'm <laughs> like, oh, OK, now what's happening today? And it's so different, too, because being based in Australia and we work so worldwide, my mornings are usually super busy because Europe's still awake and America's still awake. You know, yeah. so you wake up with people going, are you awake? Are you awake? And you're like, hang on, let me get a coffee, you know. And then, and then, yeah, and then during the day, it's sort of a bit quieter for me. And, and I mean, there's, I've been doing a lot of seminars online and we, we were very set up for this. Like, I mean, Zoom actually called us about um, two years ago and said, can you let us know how you use us? You are so unique because we've, any of our stuff is is translated up to 17 languages, any of the seminars that we do. I mean, wow. basically it's usually about five or six, but they were talking to us about how we integrated with them. So because we we are really different. We're in, you know, when I first started with Access Consciousness, we're in four countries and now we're in 176 and there's facilitators all over the world. So, you know, being able to facilitate online, I think my osteo is pretty happy because I'm not wearing high heels on stage anymore. Yep. So you know, that's <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> But I am looking forward to getting overseas. But you mentioned also the third book that I wrote, uh, Relationship, Are You Sure You Want One? That was pretty much a bit of a hurdle too because I wrote that with my ex. Well, we were together when we wrote it and then we were in the U.S. and we launched it in the U.S. 
Um, and we had all these TV spots and everything and we we broke up the relationship, which our PR agent nearly had a heart attack and we were like, don't worry about it, we've got this, we've got this, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the book, Relationship, Are You Sure You Want One? We put it into a question because we we wanted people to look at relationship not as something that you had to choose as a necessity but something that should be a choice. And I think, you know, now our day and age we actually have the space for that like you're not wrong if you're not in a relationship and you don't have to be right if you are in one it's like there's I think we have more choice and we really wanted to empower people to know that they have choice and I get that there's people who function really differently all around the world with relationship so there that book is really vulnerable we have some really cool stories in there and about how to create a great relationship and then also you know people keep saying to us you need to write another book of um we did this class called Breaking Up is Easy-ish because <laughs> there was some really tough moments with that. And we always, and still now, like we still have wealth creation together. I was talking to him yesterday saying, hey, do you want me to buy you out of this or what do we want to do here? Like we keep creating and we keep being in question about what's going to create something greater for him and create something greater for me as well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a whole other you know, story as well with the relationship yeah. stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, a, it's just really cool. Cause like you, each of your books pulls from your life experiences and like yeah. a give back for those who, you know, maybe come on a, you know, on that same path just behind you and you're like, okay, but I experienced it and I wrote this. So I know that you're going to need these tools or, you know, lessons and uh, applications. So when you, you know, kind of pulling everything together, like, it's just really what Aaron was saying. It's about like the resiliency, like you're determined to live the life that you desire and it's no, you know, nothing's going to stop you. You just keep pursuing it. And of course, there's going to be hurdles and setbacks along the way. And, you know, having that positive mindset is an outlook over everything. It's just kind of like the the thing that keeps you going. But of course, there's going, you know, like those setbacks, right? So can we talk about a few of those? Like some of the, what would you say are like some of the biggest things that you had to overcome or, you know, the some self-doubts and things that have come up as you're pursuing everything that you've accomplished and achieved? Kind of just walk us through a little bit of that, I guess, some of that messy middle. Yeah. Well, okay. So the messy middle, I would say there'd be two major ones. And one would be the financial stuff. Like that was, I mean, that was horrifying. Like when I finally actually sat down and worked out how much I was in debt and I sat there and I was just like, wow, you know, what am I going to do with this? Like I've really created myself to be a mess here. So, and I remember there was like about 10, 15 minutes. I'm sitting at my desk in my office and I lived alone and, you know, my second bedroom was an office and I sat there just going, oh my God, what am I going to do? And there's this moment where you can sort of go, let's just forget about it and sweep it under the carpet. And then you look at the rest of your life and you go, well, in five years time, 10 years time, where's my life going to be if I'm dismissing my financial reality here? And my father, uh, he's passed away about nine years ago now, brilliant, kind, kind man. And he was, a, he was a, uh, an accountant. And I remember at one stage he said to me, Simone, you need to start looking at your finances, you know? And I was like, no, you know, doing the petulant daughter thing. And I was like, I don't want to look at the finances. To me, business is about creativity. And I had this whole spill to him. And he drew me this graph. And on the graph, he had, you know, here's your creativity. You know, here's this, et cetera. And the financial side was quite big on the graph. And I was like, 
no, I don't want to look at that. That's not my graph. My graph is this. And, you know, it was mostly creative because I love being creative. And he looked at me and he goes, well, if you're not aware of this and pointed at the finances, he said, you can't have this and pointed at the creativity. And I was like, God damn it, because I knew he was right. I knew he was mm-hmm. correct. And so that's when I did start having a look at that. And look, really making the demand that that I change it. And one of the tools uh, that I hated that I use and it's it's about putting starting to honor you. And I think most people who get themselves into a financial mess don't honor themselves. And you're continuously, it's like this, this circle that you're going around in because you're in debt. And then every time you earn money, you go, well, that's not fun because I've just got to pay off the debt, right? And I mean, in America, I know that's a really common thing too, especially with your um, college fees. Like a lot of people take out student loans, et cetera, and then they go to work and it's like, well, this is not very exciting because I'm paying off my student loan, you know? So one of the tools that I used, which helped me a lot, was what we call, it's like 10% account. So every single dollar that I earned, I put 10 cents away that was for me into this honoring account. And it made absolutely no sense to me because I owed all this money and I was like, well, this is, you know, how am I putting away money for me? Like that's, isn't that mean to everybody that I owe money to? Isn't that, you know, whatever. I had all these points of view, but I also knew that what I was doing and what I was choosing wasn't working. And that it was like, I mean, Einstein has a you know theory that if you do the same thing and expect a different result, that's that's a level of insanity, right? And I was like, well, I keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result and it's nothing's changing. So I need to do something different here. So I, I for three months, I went, okay, I'm going to start to use some of these tools and see what changes. And I literally set like an alarm that I could look at in three months time. And I started putting away 10% of everything I earned just for me. And I, that's, I did that first. I didn't pay the bills. I didn't do anything else. I did that for me. And at the end of three months, I looked at it and went, wow, okay. I didn't have a huge amount of money, but I had money in a bank account that was just sitting there. And I called it an honor account. I literally called that on my banking system yeah. and looked at that. And I noticed that there was a difference in the way I was with money. Like I had some money for once and I noticed that that was really different. So I went, okay well, what if I do this for another three months and see what shows up? So I have kept doing that and have a 10% account. And I think everyone, if they do this tool, and I look, seriously, I resisted it the most. I hated it. But I think if everyone does this tool, there's a certain amount of money that you, you end up having in a bank account that has this sense of peace for you. And for me, at first, it was about $30,000. When I got to that, I was like, wow, I can breathe, I can relax, I can create and everything's going to be okay, you know. And then as the years have gone on, it's like, you know, there's a bigger amount to have that in my bank account or just sitting there in my bank account all the time. And can I tell you, over the years, my accountants, mortgage brokers, you know, solicitors, banks have all said to me, why do you have this money sitting here? You should be doing something else with it. And I'm like, nope, because it works for me. It allows me to have money and create more wealth in a different way. It's not standard. It's different. And I have done things like bought thing like something that has an intrinsic value. I bought gold, you know, diamond ring, uh, pearls, or silver, or something like that that I can either sell today or tomorrow and get the same amount of money back or make more money. Is what I've done to to play with it, but always making sure I have this amount of money there. So I'm going to say the money stuff was a real hurdle, and it and it it um it changed quickly, but you know not um not overnight and really, really um, digging deep on knowing that I could change it was something so internal 
Because you can listen to people outside. I mean, anyone listening now can listen to me and go, oh, well, she did it. But it's like, yeah, but I wasn't, well, I was at rock bottom for me, for sure. And really making that demand every day, go, okay, I'm going to change this. What action do I need to take in order to change this? So, yeah. And I'd say the second thing was the relationship because I I definitely thought that that relationship, he didn't, I didn't go, oh, we're going to buy rocking chairs and get old and whatever. <laughs> but I saw it. I, I looked at the relationship as very long-term future. So, and Brendan actually broke the relationship up with me and I definitely did that thing of, you know, oh my God, my life is over, you know, yeah, and did the, the freak out. I'm going to say girl thing because it is like girls tend to do that freak out thing right. more so than men. And I definitely did that and then, you know, got angry, really angry. And I'm, you know, I'm taking the house, I'm doing this, da, da, da. And then I went, oh, hang on a second. (laughs) This is, that was not much fun either. I was like, you know, waking up angry is not fun. So what do I need to change here? So again, it's like really going internal and looking at, I'm okay. It's like, it's not personal. Like the relationship broke up, but it's not, I'm not broken because I'm not. So, so then what else? And really taking myself each day through everything and going, okay, so now what else? What else? What else? And Brendan and I work together now and it's been about three years and we're, you know, good friends. We've, like I said before, we've still got wealth creation together uh, and, and both really happy. Like we both talk about it and go, oh my God, I'm so glad that the relationship is not together anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I think most people try and hold on to something because they've got it. And if you're actually willing to let go of everything, you can have everything. Everything becomes available. Mm -hmm. I know. I feel like probably a lot of women have probably stayed in relationships a lot longer than they should have. Or like you said, if you're the one that's getting broken up with, right? And we've all been there. But then it kind of like is a shot to your confidence, even though you were already a successful woman, right? You're like, you're already kicking ass and taking names. But for some reason, a guy decides they want to break up with us. And we're like, you know, it's like takes a hit to us personally. I remember like feeling one time someone broke up with me and I was like, what? Like, I'm amazing. I'm pretty cool. Like, I think I got it together pretty well. And I'm fun. Like, like I couldn't figure it out what was wrong with me. And I was like, it's him. Like, whatever. Like, let it go. I can't like keep holding on to that. But I think a lot of women suffer from that sometimes. They let it, I think it's okay to like be hurt, but to let that carry on and affect who you are as a person. And in your self-worth, right? Which obviously you figured out how not to do that, right? But it's like people sometimes think like, well, if I've got the money and I've got the business and I got the castle and I got all this stuff, like that things are just going to keep perpetually just being perfect and in alignment. But we have life and things happen in life that don't go perfectly. You can't let it knock you off course of everything else too. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I love that you would just kind of close that with like that word, your words of wisdom is just really like, it's definitely going to resonate with so many. And, and um, you know, just knowing that sharing that vulnerable story just makes it more relatable to know that like, you know, here we started the podcast with all your successes and accolades and it's like that, but talking about that hardship is, is like, it helps bring it down. And somebody's like, yeah, you know, me too. So maybe that's just the sticking point they're at in their life. And just hearing that is the words of encouragement to just keep going and, and, you know, moving forward with, you know, resiliency and, and just determination to live the life that they've dreamt of. And, you know, we're going to have setbacks. It's inevitable. So such a cool story. Like I, I love this podcast listening to you and, and all the the tidbits and nuggets and wisdom, all that stuff. So how 
how could people learn more about you and, and your follow along on your journeys and your projects and you know work with you? Uh, so let's talk about that. Like, What are some of the options that people have that, uh, of course, we're going to share all this in the show notes, but how can they find out uh, more about you and what you can do? Well, I've got a really good name for Googling because so far I have not discovered another Simone Millicent, so it's easy. So if you actually literally Google my name, Simone Millicent, M-I-L-A-S-A-S, that's my website. That's my Instagram handle, all of that. And also if you look up accessconsciousness.com as well, um, it's got all the information there. And I'm doing so many different things. Like I do, I actually do once a month at the moment uh, a call on something to do with business that has no prerequisites. Like the next one I have coming up is called You Are the Source of Creation because I see people look at money or look at something outside of them as a source of creation. And what I want to talk about is you are actually the source of creation, your choices. So um, I do business done different classes, the relationship done different classes, and then more advanced classes as well. So, uh, and of course you can get all those three books on, you know, your friendly uh local places like amazon etc so yeah and the podcast choice change in action podcast which i i do different themed things like this month um february is about vulnerability and just interviewing different people or myself like i just actually talk about using the tools of access um with that so yeah there's lots of different things that that you can find so can i i just want to add one thing though here is if you're listening to this too please don't think that this is doesn't have to be hard work as in you don't have to look for a result or come to an answer. In in truth, what you have to be every day is in question. Mm -hmm. Like really listen because the world is talking to you, like the universe is talking to you and you hear these pings and when you have that ping, it's like, oh, what's that? Ask a question and then follow that. That is so much how I've created. Um, I mean, I've got a few different properties, real estate. It's the whisper, you know, Mm -hmm. or my um, stock portfolios, it's like that whisper. It's like, but if you get really set into, I've got to work it out, I've got to find the result, I've got to get the answer, then you've just stopped listening. And the world wants to chat to you. So it's like, you know, it's out there. So if you just relax and ask questions, like be in question and listen and choose based on that, don't sit back waiting. Like, you know, I always say I've made probably more bad choices than most people have ever chosen, but I chose. And every, every time you choose, it creates an awareness for you. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll choose again. Oh, yeah. It's, and that's all in the power of just being, being present, mm. being aware, yeah. be, being still. Yes. Awesome. Well, of course, we're going to include all your links in the show notes. So we just want to thank you for being our guest and just sharing such incredible journey with us. We're honored. And just, uh, I know that it's morning over there and it's evening here. So we're going to let you get started on your day. And we just really want to thank you again for uh, just sharing everything for our listeners. So um, thank you. Thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you, Erin. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. Um, For more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's the Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Erin underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.